This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Packer and Durham pre-power hour is upon us as we are streaming live on the ESPN app. Number for the program is 844-SAY-ACCN. Fuller getting his spot. Wes, uh, know your role. That's how we do it. I mean, do you see what happens here on this show? Do you see? Like during the break, he just decided, well, you know what? I'm going to sit right there. Well, you know, it, it is his house. Yeah. Yeah, all you, bro. <laughs> I mean, you know. Holy smokes. He is paying the mortgage. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, Matt Wilson, who is uh, one of the uh, outstanding track and field performers at the University of Pittsburgh, will be with us here in about 15 minutes as part of ACC Unity Week. Looking forward to talking to him. Um, and then uh, 9 o'clock hours full, Gene Deckerhoff, Tony Elliott live from practice. Not sure how we're doing this, but Tony Elliott we're live from practice. Do it. And Sydney Sherrill on game day. Yeah. We've had coaches on game day. Have we had athletes on game day? I don't think so. I don't either. Did we have Buddy Bayheim the oh, day he did. was dropping Buddy shots? Did. Buddy did, because he got hot. Remember? Was that ACC tournament? Yeah. 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 He got hot. And in fact, I think Georgia Tech might have gone. Eh, I got to think about that a second. Nell we... Fortner, we had on game day. Oh, yeah. 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 We've, We've had, had coaches. coaches on game day. Pastner. Dave, Dave Dorn. Dave Dorn. Mostly victorious. Mostly victorious. We have Kevin Parada tomorrow on game day. So, Sydney Sherrill today, Kevin Parada tomorrow. And we normally have a pretty good vibe. Our, our, our Packer and Durham bump's normally pretty solid. Yeah, like Meredith Slaw. Yeah, pretty solid. Yeah, last night, Virginia Tech beat Tennessee. Meredith Slaw, two for three with a run, batted in. No problem there at all. There you go, right? All right, Duke Carolina tonight, women's lacrosse. Far be it from us. Not to extend the Duke Carolina thing, right? It exists. And it's not just a basketball thing either. No, no. In fact, let's show you this year. Why not get right up to date with the old eight-mile battle, if you will. Uh, baseball, Carolina won two of the three. All right? Men's basketball, you know how that worked. Duke won the first one by 20. And apparently the last two were pretty important. <laughs> They're all important. <laughs> The last one was the most important one ever. Uh, oh, you're going there. Ever. I just did. All right. Men's fencing. I got it. Uh, got to hey, keep. Uh, got to keep the arms straight. Where's Amanda Perkowski? Uh, North Carolina defeated Duke three-one. Women's fencing. Go the other hand. They tied. Oh, you can't have ties. I, I got a tie. I don't believe in two, sticking two. ties in sports. Carolina won the football. Duke won men's lacrosse. 15-6. Should battle it out to the end. Soccer, Duke won 3-0. Swimming and diving, North Carolina won. Tennis, Duke a winner. Men's tennis, rather. Wrestling, Carolina won. Women's basketball, Carolina went 2-0. Field hockey, Carolina won. Soccer, women's side. You don't do every sport. Well, I'm just outlining them. Huh. Women's soccer, Duke won. Softball's yet to play. Uh, By the way, there will not be a test at the end of the show if you've been found out. Swimming who won and diving, Duke and Carolina, Carolina won. Sport. Women's tennis, Duke won. Volleyball, Carolina won. So you missed one. What? I don't know. <laughs> Causing problems. All right. So we put it out to social media. What's your favorite Duke Carolina game of all time? Oh boy. What could go wrong with these answers? Well, we get a 
fair sampling. I sense that would be the case. <laughs> did you? Yes, I did. Uh, at JLCraft01 starts the hit parade. I mean, gets right to the point. UNC beat Duke in K's last home game. UNC beat Duke in K's last game. UNC beating Duke on Reddick's senior day and Marvin Williams' game winner in 04. Now, are you supposed to pick oh, one? five, rather. That's number you're four. You're picking one here? He is picked it? four. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, didn't know there were rules. Um, it's like NIL. There are no rules. Sam is next, and I'm not sure his Twitter handle is going to pass the test of this show. Oh, we know Sam. Sam's the guy that won the hat. Uh, beat L.A. Dodgers again hat. Yeah. Sam's a good dude, despite his terrible taste in baseball. All right. Uh, he goes 2012. This is one that I thought was a big mo- – 2012, uh, Renfrey to Jamison Crowder. Yeah. That was a heck of a game. Yeah, it sure was. Uh, and then 2012 was also – he, he mentions the Wallace Wade outdoor, outdoor stadium. That's when you know you're a real fan. That's it, yeah. 2012, Austin Rivers game winner over Tyler Zeller. 2020, Trey Jones's buzzer-beating shot. And then Wendell Moore's putback. 21, Joe Robertson's overtime game winner in lacrosse. Now, remember, Thursday nights, and, and we've harped on this before here on ACC Network, Thursday nights this time of year is all about lacrosse. Lacrosse owns Thursday nights on ACC Network. It's much like yep. uh, like in January, February, where the Friday night duels become the staple, and they right. really become cool. Wrestling on a Friday night in ACC land is awesome, and Thursday nights, it's all about lacrosse on That's ACC it. Network. Right. And the games last year, the matches last year, were unbelievable. Yep. Every Thursday, you were like, how could you top it? And you would. Just incredible stuff. I expect more of that tonight. Um, Joe Robertson a year ago, great moment. Uh, and we had a run of what? Three, four weeks? Is that four right? Straight four straight weeks. Four straight weeks. Un- un- incredible yeah. final overtime thrillers. Yep. Unbelievable. Connor Schellenberger had one of them, right? Amazing. Yeah. Uh, all right. Stuart Monty, Carolina fan, he goes back to 1974. 8.17 seconds to tie Duke in regulation. They actually won it, I think it was double overtime. Walter David, it wasn't quite 45 feet. You know what's funny? It's, Can I say something about shot this? Shot gets longer every year. It does. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's really funny to me because we've played this video uh, probably a dozen times on this show in three yes. years that we've it's been a, doing it. It's this. an amazing. And it, it was an incredible moment, right, in the history of the league as far as one of those where were you win kind of things if oh, you're yeah. old enough. Yeah. But it is funny how people have put distance on that shot. And when you see, if you, you're like, oh, I've heard about it. You know, a guy made it from midcourt. Well, when no. you see what Walter Davis did. You know, he hit a long three. He made him a long three. I mean, it's a Steph Curry three. That's right. what he made. He banked it in. But Correct. it was not 45 feet. Maybe half of that. 28, maybe. What would you guess? I, I was kind of hoping we may have video of this today. It is, It is. in my opinion, it's well, about 25 feet. 25, 25 feet. 25, 26 yeah, feet. Give or take. In the neighborhood. Yeah. It's But 45, no way. No. Come on. Because 45 would be midcourt. Right. It's legendary right. stuff. And now, that has really become like an urban myth, the length of that shot. Well, let me tell you the other thing that's become an urban myth. How many people were there? Everybody was there. No, they weren't. Millions of people no, came into Carmichael Because your night. dad and I need to have this discussion. It's an afternoon game, right? It was. Yeah. And the reason I can remember this is that 
our seats in Carmichael, my mom and I, were sitting second to back row up top. Did you have the drapes? They had to close <clears> the drapes. The drapes had to be pulled so the sun didn't come pouring in. So, you know, but some people did not know when I was talking yeah. about that. Those of us, though, do know. Because you closed them. Right. Hey, Wes, but, would you close the drapes? Walter Davis is blind out there. He can't see a <laughs> thing. Right. The sun used to shine through the portals at the top sun's, of Carmichael, and it would roll into the floor like the old Alexander so Coliseum, right? It lit up Dean Smith's cigarettes right there in his pocket. <laughs> um, but, and your dad, I, I want to have this conversation with your dad because a lot of people left with a minute five to no. go. Oh, yeah. No, people didn't leave early. Yeah, they did. No, they did. Not yeah, North did. Carolina fans. They didn't leave early. Neil McGahee. Neil McGahee was taking the Blue Devils to a big win. Don't tell me you left. They left. Really. I'm no, telling you they left. Don't. That's urban myth. Nope. Gone. You you can you can vouch for this. I, that's how. Did you move up like 35 rows? No. I, I We were second to last row, and I was standing in the aisle on the back row when the shot went in. Because remember, they had had the inbound steal. Dave Hanners inbounds, flipped it to Bobby Jones, laid it in. Cup check, the rebound, all this stuff. Were you going crazy? Oh, God. Uh, were, you, like, were you obnoxious? Pack, I was a, eight. I yes, I was going nuts. You're a wild, the, oh. the, the eight-year-old, were you talking trash to any Duke fan nearby? There weren't any Duke fans. So, not not there. <laughs> they were behind the bench. Joey Postalweight is next. We're going to move off of this because people, it's almost 50 years ago, people don't care. <laughs> all right, Joey Postalweight, top-ranked UNC, beating Duke by 14 to end the 93 regular season. And fans storming, chanting, we're number one. That, yes. Yes. That top-ranked Carolina won the game and then charged the floor and said, we're number one. Uh, if you got it, flaunt it. Mike Dunton, 98, number one Duke, number two Carolina. Vince Carter misses a dunk that would have blown the roof off the Smith Center, and that is exactly correct. Here it is. It's the greatest missed dunk in ACC history. By the way, on TV, Vital thought he made it. Look at this. Coda off the glass. Yeah, Shaman wanted the lob and didn't get it. I'm going to tell you something. Forget the dunk. The catch was ridiculous because that was a bullet off the glass. That was a bullet off the glass, and he caught it. The fact that he caught it, forget about it. The attempt of the dunk. My favorite part, can we run it one more time? Uh -oh, Look on go. the right side of the floor. Coming down on the right wing is Shimon Williams calling for the ball. You're not getting it. That's Vince Carter, Shimon. <laughs> How unbelievable would that have been if it had gone? Yeah, well, it did. By the way, what's William Avery doing? Get uh, out of the way. He's getting to be a poster. The best thing that ever happened to him is that did not go in. No kidding. Because he would have been a poster. And Rashawn McLeod would have been like, you know, Jeff Lamp and the Michael Jordan dunk when he played for the Lakers. Exactly right. <laughs> it's exactly right. It's 100% right. Um, all right. One more. Uh, maybe two more. Eh, we got three We got more. all day. Let's all right. Do we got 25 all day. more. Um, Danny Green's dunk on Greg Paulus beating J.J. Redick on senior night is from IG Tone 919. Oh, wow. Let's get the VHS copy. Boom. Danny Green, the head coach of the Niagara Purple Eagles. Uh, can I just say one thing? Inside the restricted area. I, I, can I just say one thing? Yes, sir. And for whatever it's worth, I, I'm a neutral bystander here. I've enjoyed this rivalry mm -hmm. from a distance. Big NC State Are we going to show any up. Duke highlights here, or is this just going to be North Carolina dunk night? 
Um, yeah, there's one coming right here. Okay, good. Uh, let I, me, I would figure if I'm a Duke fan watching our show, I'm like, okay, great. I get it. You know, we've I'm had just some going through what's too. listed, bro. Can we have some, can we just have some Duke highlights here? I'm sick and tired of watching North Carolina. Dunk tweets are the tweets, Pac. You could have sent one. I, I'm just called your Duke friends. I'm just, where's Wallace Beeson on here? He's where's working. Wallace? Wallace is working. He better be. Michelle Moss says down eight with 17 seconds left and no three point line. Right, Michelle, did you stay? I'm hoping Michelle stayed. Right? Didn't leave early, right? At Carmichael? Just asking. Wait till Billy and I get on this topic. Uh, all right, last one. James M. Right? 1965 ACC tournament. Duke 21, Carolina 20. It was my first college basketball game, and I thought all the basketball games were like that. Didn't go back until I was a student at State in the early 70s. Can I just balance this out a little bit? Because I'm sensing a light blue wave on these. Oh. Well, Do we not know, have highlights of a chick Yonaker attempting a shot that hit nothing? Oh, my God. Where the, How great was where that? the heels put a zero up in the first half against Duke? Seven nothing. We, I, I, hey, and I'm O'Cor- just saying. O'Corin after the game. Coach Smith said we should hold the ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to balance this out a little bit. You know, we should get O'Corin on the show just simply so he can talk about running with the weighted vest. No, the, the, the air ball. I mean, that's where it started. The yeah. chant, air ball, seven, nothing. Yep. Halftime score. It's not enough football. That's a basketball 1979. score. 1979. I mean, there's a, there's a, listen, these two have had so many moments. And we're getting them tonight, too, in women's lacrosse. Should be sensational at 8 o'clock here on ACC Network. I still think, though. I mean, as many great memories as people just rattled off there on social media. The last time they played was the biggest game they ever played. Last month. Actually, it was this month. Still April, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. When we come back. You agree with that? I do. I, it's, it's, it's in there. It's, it's, it's not in there. It's number one. All right. I mean, it's Coach K's, it turns out, his last game. They're going to play in a national Well, and they had a defining moment in the game and everything else. It was a great game. They're going to be documentaries about the game. Without question. That was the biggest one they've ever played. Our coverage of ACC Unity Week continues. We look forward to visiting with Matt Wilson, an outstanding performer in track for Pittsburgh. He will be with us next. He is accomplished in 4 by 400 and he is also accomplished in what Unity Week is all about. We're looking forward to talking to Matt next on Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. It's Unity Week in the ACC, and we've had a blast this week talking with student-athletes that are tied into this awesome concept. Yeah, awareness to action is kind of the theme of the 21-22 academic year for the CORE, which is the Committee for Racial and Social Justice and Equality in the ACC. And Matt Wilson is a part of that process for the league and also plays a very important role on campus at the University of Pittsburgh. He joins us this morning. Uh, Matt, first of all, welcome. Great to have you with us. And uh, it's always been it's been interesting this week because we're kind of covering the map of the ACC, right? We did some in the winter. We're doing it again here in the spring. Um, and I know at Pittsburgh there is Panthers United, and you're playing a role on that side of it uh, with the Diversity and Inclusion Board. Tell us a little bit about the campus movement there and then how you take the message from from your colleagues and constituents to the ACC side. Because I think that, that communication is interesting to fans who are looking in as to how the unified message reaches all 15 institutions. 
Yeah, so first and foremost, thank you very much for having me on the show. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and represent my university and the track team. Um, so about two years ago, our SAC here at Pitt, um, we decided that EDI was an important factor for the university students, and we wanted to make that a subcommittee that we work on here. Um, so my former teammate, Monica McNeil, and kind of my mentor helped pave the way and lead um, so that we had an EDI subcommittee and we had student athletes who could start getting involved here um, as a part of kind of like unifying our campus. So at that point, we kind of just continued keeping the ball rolling and moving. And the kind of tie in between that and Panthers United is uh, Panthers United is another student led administrative group that we have here on campus that really works hard. We do a lot of behind the scenes work to try to um, help the student athlete experience here and to ensure that we all have uh, an all-inclusive and we feel that Pitt is like our own home and that we can be our true selves. Man, I'm always in, uh, curious with young people who, who like to get involved up and above and, and get out of their lane sometimes, sometimes uncomfortable conversations which become comfortable. What's the catalyst for you that says, hey, you know what, this is something I want to be a part of? You know, honestly, for me, it kind of goes back to a couple of years. By the end of my sophomore year here at Pitt, I was kind of figuring out what I really wanted to do still. And for me, student involvement helped keep me engaged. And I felt like, you know, it was fun for me to go out and compete with my team and with my teammates. Like, that was a great thing. But I also really wanted something more for my pit experience. And for me, it was kind of like having those people and mentors to help pave the way and keep me engaged and give me options and opportunities to do that. So it really helps, you know, keep me on my toes, gives me an opportunity to lead and to work alongside my student-athlete peers. You know, Matt, there's the other part of it too, right? Because there, there are events and moments with each of these campuses where you guys are building bridges and not only helping maybe the student-athlete experience you talked about, but also just the general student population. Um, and in doing some of the reading, the Pitt Police Town Hall sounds like one of those events that not just helps student-athletes understand the roles and, and the conversation, but it maybe helped the whole campus. Yeah, so speaking a little bit on that, um, last year I had the opportunity to kind of represent the Pitt student-athletes and sit as a panelist on there, and it was a really great conversation. We talked for about 90 minutes, and we were able to create a really good dialogue and, and form an understanding, and, and out of that I was also able to build upon uh, my involvement and get a little bit of notice for the student-athletes here at Pitt mm. um, and the ways that we feel about, like, public safety and that kind of, like, engagement relationship that we have with the university police and, and the community here at Pitt. By the way, Matt, what's been your most rewarding experience? Forget athletics mm. a second. Forget the classroom for a second. But what's been your most rewarding experience by doing all this extracurricular work in which you say, hey, listen, we can make this a better community, a better situation for all of us? I've made some great friends and met really great people along the way, in, in all honesty. And I've had some people who, as a part of my subcommittee or just like peers of mine, who I've been able to kind of like help and become like great leaders and have showed me so much as well about like leadership and the way that it is as important as it is to engage with your students and your athletes and mentors and administrators and stuff. So really just like a holistic uh, learning opportunity for me has been the biggest takeaway. Would you say, like in a very short span, that a lot of bridges are starting to be crossed in terms of diversity and inclusion and, you know, equitable life on a college campus, Matt, where maybe two and a half years ago that wasn't that wasn't the case? 
Mm-hmm. Yes, entirely. <clears throat> the pace picked up quick for a lot of us student athletes, I believe. And I think a lot of us um, rose to the moment and used the opportunity um, to voice our own opinions and our feelings because we felt as student athletes, you know, we represent a small population of our universities, but on such a wide scale mm. that it's important for all of us to be able to convey our feelings freely and to, you know, unify amongst each other. All right. So let me ask you this question. It's a bigger picture question. There are a lot mm-hmm. of athletes, both collegiate and professional, who are using their voice and using their actions to try and, and make it a, a better place, right? No question. On a lot of levels. Now, everybody, when like you're in track, so there may be a runner or a sprinter or whatever the case may be that, that you emulate your performance after. In this particular world, is there somebody that inspires you to move forward with the messaging, the communication, this work you're doing, which is critical to the, to the landscape of just society period, I think. Yeah. So for me to answer that question for me, it's definitely my father. Um, he's someone who grew up, he's from Dallas, Texas, and he just didn't have the same opportunities that I've been given just because of his upbringing and the way that he, uh, lived amongst his siblings in his life. So for me, it's kind of like I'm always able to reflect on that. Mm-hmm. And it's a no-brainer for me to use the opportunity that I've been given to kind of represent myself and my family to the highest degree. Yeah. I, I want to get uh, to track and field a second. Um, you know, we, we've <laughs> talked to a lot of student athletes this week uh, with Unity Week. And the other day we talked to Gabriela Leon, who's from Louisville, who's a pole vaulter. And I've always been amazed how that even works. Now, you're in a four by four, four by what, four by 400, right? I mean, so you're only going about 800 miles an hour. Uh, and I've always been in awe of track and field athletes. Cause I mean, I'd love to be able to run. I mean, really run. You can run. You are fast, man. You got speed, but in, with all the track and field events, Matt, is there one that always grabs your attention at a meet that you go, man, I can't believe they can do that. I, I'm just curious from your perspective. Is there one that you just, how they do it, whether it be a long jump, pole vault, I mean, you tell me. Yeah, for sure. So I'm also a 400 hurdler, and that's my primary event. And I don't want to be biased, but, I mean, like, that's a very tough event Wait to do. The, the strength that's required, the skill and technique that you also have to have to partake in that is just, like, it takes a whole lot. It takes a, lot, a large learning curve over the years um, that – I've been blessed enough and fortunate enough to continue to compete in stuff. But to answer your question, I'd say outside of my own, like not being biased outside of my own event, I'd say high jump. At the collegiate level, the high jump is very, very intense and very crazy. And you guys have guys jumping over two meters and 2.1 meters and stuff. And that's just like unfathomable to me. So, yeah, I'll go with that one. All right. I want to go back here real quick. And I want to ask you about this hurdle thing real quick. Because we had um, (laughs) – I'm drawing Florida, a point. State. Florida State's got the national champion at 60 meters indoors. Yes. Ian, was that right? Yeah. I'm oh, trying yeah. to remember. Okay. So they've got the national champion at 60 meters indoors in the hurdles. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Now you're running distance in the hurdles, right? Yes. Like Edwin Moses stuff here. Like Edwin Moses, mm-hmm. the great hurdler from the 80s. Kind of. <laughs> I'm really that old. That was an old reference. That was an old reference because yeah. he competed in Montreal in 76 and then turned around in 84 and lit the world up. So when you're running hurdles at distance, 
Do you count steps the same way the 60-meter guy counts the steps? Are you counting steps the whole way? Um, no. For me, it's a part of the learning process. You know, when I'm in practice, I'm getting it. And I'm kind of like honing in on that and paying attention to it. But when I'm in the race, it's kind of just like all instinct. And at that point, you've taught your body and it's muscle memory. So you really don't have to like count one, two, three in your mind. But like your body knows where you are. and You can kind of gauge coming off of each hurdle, going into each hurdle where you kind of set and stuff. But yeah, the goal of the race is to be strong enough, you know, regardless if you count steps or not, you're going to hit it with the right leg. So. All right. Um, yeah. Could you run 60 meters? Yeah. I okay, ran the 55, 60 okay. meters in high school. There you go. I could. <laughs> I could get Matt. We're signing Matt up. We're going to get Matt a little Packer and Durham gear and let him run 60 in a 400. I don't care. I mean, I to me, it's just the gifted singular athlete event, like in track. Like, we watched Gabrielle Leon and Pac had a breakdown the other day, Matt, oh. because there's no possible way either vault. one of us are aerodynamically designed to do anything related to the pole vault, okay? <laughs> um, I, I just think that's the part where people become fascinated. When you start to think about what happens there athletically, it's a singular event. It's a mindset. It's everything is within you. It's not it, – there's team, yes, but it's not really team. It's about you as the individual, and I think it's – I think it's incredibly fascinating. Well, man, I'll just tell you this, and I've said this before on this show. I'm in awe of track and field athletes because, yep. and I've told folks, if you've never been to a track and field event, oh my you know, if you just see on TV, it's like watching a, an Indy race or a NASCAR race when everybody's going 195 miles an hour. It's like, well, I can drive a car. It's, it's not that fast. When you see people, the human body go that fast, that high, whatever the case may be, whatever the sport is, you have a true appreciation of, wow, that is quick. So I've got nothing but props for you and your your gang, man, because let me tell you something, track and field athletes are unbelievable, yeah. incredible. Yeah, thank you guys very much. You know, I, I completely agree. Track and field, you watch the you watch us do our disciplines, and it's just like an amazing display of athleticism. No doubt. Before we let you go, though, this could be the mm. hardest question of this interview. You ready? Okay. Since, since you've been in Pittsburgh, what has been your hardest class? Ooh. All right. <laughs> you know, I, easy, yeah. I had a writing class my freshman year, and the professor was very, very hard, and I appreciate her for being that way because I needed someone to be on me and to open my eyes to the college experience. Had it first semester, we had maybe five essays, six essays over the semester. It was a lot of writing, and I wasn't ready for it. But it was a, it was a smack to the, it was an eye opener to really this college experience and just balancing student athlete lifestyle amongst classes like this. Yeah, I needed that one. That totally was a, yeah. That. I totally get that. Dude. By the way, uh, Trey Cunningham is the name of the gentleman we were talking about yeah, from Florida Trey State. Cunningham, I just looked Florida up my State. notes, and, by, and and Matt, yeah. I asked Trey. I think he ran the 60-meter hurdles in 7.6 seconds, some crazy number. And I have a bet with him that I could eat a donut before he runs 60 meters. And so the bet's on. A donut in 7.6 seconds. What do you think? Who would you take with um, that? Me or Cunningham? It's a I mean, Trey's fast. I don't <laughs> okay. I don't know. I mean, it depends on the donut, I'd say. I'm, I'm yeah. taking Trey. I'm taking Trey. 
I might yeah. have to go with the hurdlers. Yeah. No, so no, got a boy, Matt. Way you, to go. You hang with your hey, you Thank hang you, with those hurdlers. I tell you what, Matt. the donut eater takes both of you down in seven point six Matt, seconds. Matt, you're totally my favorite <laughs> track and field guest for siding with me. All right, be well. Great to have you with us. Look forward to watching you finish out the spring schedule. Okay. You got it, bet, man. Congratulations. Matt. Keep up the great work. Matt Wilson of Pittsburgh. Appreciate him joining us as nice part of guy, ACC huh? Unity Week. Absolutely. They've all been it's terrific. Good rolling, man. I'm Look, I mean, who are we kidding, right? They are who awesome. Who are we kidding? Uh, when we come back, uh, more thoughts on Duke Carolina. Jamie Ortega coming up in about 13 minutes. Top of the hour, 9 o'clock. Fire the cannons. Gene Deckerhoff will be here. But we got Duke Carolina lacrosse tonight and other rivalries that are moving through the ACC footprint this weekend. Back after that. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Matt Wilson, man, an impressive dude right there now. Right? Yeah, oh yeah. Matt Wilson. Sharp. Dude, I... Talented. Look. Well-spoken. We've said it three or four times this week, and it is like right there in the punch list of Packer and Durham. We are very fortunate and blessed that we have terrific student athletes at all 15 member institutions of no in the ACC. I mean, we have, they're fun for us to talk to. We had Sophia LaRose, who's one of our favorites. We've had Jamie Ortega multiple was kids on. Jamie Ortega was on yesterday for a second time. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable when you sit and talk to the student athletes about the depth of the thing. It's not just what they're doing on the field, on the floor, or whatever. You know, here's when you know they're good. They don't know us from Adam. Right, they've whatever. I might have seen them on TV or something. Whatever the case may be, and they have conversations with us like they've been friends of the family forever. Right, right? and that just goes to show you the quality. I think of the student athlete. Not only are they getting the job done in the classroom, enough said what they're doing athletically, but to be able to have conversations like we do, yeah, to talk about such issues that hey, we're trying to do stuff in terms of unification of whether it be a campus, a community, whatever the case may be, it's mm-hmm. just incredibly impressive yeah, what this and league it's, does. And it's kind of neat, too, to be honest with you. You develop friendships with them, and now some of them have moved on. they finished their careers collegiately, and they reach back and touch base through social media once or twice a year, and it's always nice to hear from them. And yeah, we appreciate classic, the rela- In such a short time, I mean, we've done 600 shows, but in a very short time, we've been able to kind of watch people flourish off the field, off the floor, into their normal American lives, so to speak. And hopefully, if you're a viewer or listener Mm -hmm. uh, to this program, however you get the show, um, you may have a connection with with a player, a a student athlete. Maybe it's somebody that plays for a team that you can't stand, but you go, you know what, I saw that interview on Packer and Durham with fill in the blank, and now I follow them. It's kind of cool to to see the personalities behind uh, the terrific student athletes in this league. Yeah, I mean, um, Kristen McFarland, who played soccer, at Florida State, has now gone. She's in television up in Youngstown, Ohio now, her first professional job after playing a year overseas. And uh, I got a, a tag the other night. Aaron Matson's playing with the U.S. Women's National Field Hockey Team, I think in Argentina, doing something. By the way, North Carolina's field hockey team, speaking of, yeah. uh, just had a scrimmage with the England national team yesterday. <laughs> I mean, again, this How'd is that go? this is what you know what though that is the beauty yeah. of being a student athlete in this modern version yeah. of college athletics. I mean, yeah. the, it, the world really is small. Uh, Duke Carolina tonight, uh, by the way, women's lacrosse eight o'clock follows Carolina Notre Dame on the men's side at six here on ACC Network. Um, we were asked to chronicle 
two of our favorite kind of Duke Carolina memories. And, you know, and I, the eight points in 17 seconds is, you know, that's a thing for me because I was at the game as a I, kid. I like the air ball. That's why I brought up your Chick Yonaker's air ball in 79. Because, you know, Chicky, we've never, and you've never seen a basketball game with somebody with a zero, much less the quality, which is Duke and Carolina. Zero, seven, nothing. Zero. And I, the final, 47 to 40. That's it. But it was seven what zip in the, unbelievable the creation game. of the chant air ball. Happened Started. in that game. Yep. Um, I'll go back to one that was listed by one of our viewers. The 2012 Sean Renfrey to Jamison Crowder deal was unbelievable. Now, in football, they've been sneaky good in football. See, it's not as pronounced or as well-known as the basketball situation. But I'll say this. Duke defeated Carolina 33-30, the touchdown catch for Jamison Crowder. And then I'll go back to Chaz Surratt's interception at the goal line. Remember a couple of years ago yeah. where he caught it, basically trapped it on his foot, yeah. and Chaz Surratt came away with a pick. Duke's driving for a W. Absolutely. 20-17 yeah. to 17 preserves the win, essentially. Right. Exactly right. And so those are just football. And look, I could go to Mike Vo- or Amos Lawrence's touchdown run. Uh, I mean, Amos Lawrence scored on a spinning touchdown. Mike Voigt scored a touchdown late in the game, I think 76. Uh, it was like, I want to say the final was 12-8 or 15-10 or something like that. I mean, their famous Amos had a, had a touchdown run to win a Carolina-Duke game. Uh, I remember, um, was it Greg Boone? I think Greg Boone had a touchdown run for Duke in 1982. Red Wilson was coaching, I think, his final game at Duke. And they beat Carolina at Wallace Wade on a late score. All right, let me balance this out a second. I'm saying – I'm giving Duke. No, uh, no, hey, don't get defensive. I'm not giving don't, don't get defensive with me. You're saying it's all Carolina. You know, it's, it's, if there's a lot of light blue over there on my Woody's picture. Um, Wearing his red tie. I love that picture. Oh, I love that picture. Um, <laughs> Uh, let me give you the one that, that resonates with me, and it's kind of perfectly timed. Okay. Because yesterday, this gentleman celebrated his 77th birthday. Oh, my God. And that would be Steve Spurrier, yep. head ball coach. And when he was at Duke, he took North Carolina to the woodshed one afternoon at Keenan Stadium to the point where he brought the team back out to get a team photo with the score the score still on the scoreboard behind yeah. him. And I'll never forget when, him, when he did that. I was like, Wow. Salt in wound, oh, and let's make sure we blow this picture up and hand it out to everybody. Oh, yeah. But the head ball coach, again, happy birthday, coach, turned 77 yesterday. That was one that just resonates with me with Duke football. Would we need an hour with him on this show? Oh, God. He would go crazy. He'd go crazy. Your serious XM days where you had him for an hour? Oh, yeah. Well, that was epic. Well, he's, he's a beaut. He's an absolute beauty. Oh, he's, he's unbelievable. Now, but I will tell you, though. He's a good-looking, young 77, isn't he's he? He's 77 years old, Steve Spurrier. Go, I mean, go figure that out. Right. Pretty good. 77 going on 47. He's not Leonard Hamilton, but he ain't bad. Pretty good. Because Leonard's, you know, Leonard's his low 70s, looks like he's 39. Yeah. But it's ball coach, 77. How about that? But I still do believe that a couple weeks ago in New Orleans, when you saw North Carolina and Duke. Yeah. Uh, the epic matchup, and you throw in the Coach K tour and all that stuff right. that was going with it, uh, and what had happened in in, in Cameron, you know, a couple sure. weeks prior, yep. the buildup of that, we, as many incredible games, 258 times they hooked up on the hardwood on men's basketball, 
And we could go through dozens upon dozens of unbelievable games, but there had never been a buildup to those two hooking up on that stage as big as it was and the game delivered as it normally does. Yeah. That would be the one for me. And it featured a moment. And see, that's the other thing, too. No matter who, and here's the moment from that game. Right. Caleb loves three. And the thing about the way it works in the Duke Carolina is you associate the wins with the moments. Now, I mean, we're talking about Jamison Crowder's touchdown pass, Austin Rivers' shot, Chris Duhon's length of the floor lay. I mean, they're central to basketball. But I would tell you this, too. I mean, there are football moments. There are lacrosse moments. There's soccer moments. There's baseball moments. That's the beauty of the comprehensive nature of Duke Carolina, and it goes back to the proximity. In basketball, I think it's it's special because of the history of it. And the excellence of the program for decades upon decades upon decades. No doubt. And that's the part that separates the basketball part of it i think away from others but this one tonight oh man it's got some juice now yeah, just saying yep if you want to be entertaining in the lacrosse action on thursday nights on acc network always entertaining one of the principals in tonight's game is jamie ortega she joined us yesterday and on the other side in case you missed it our visit with the outstanding attack of the tar heels second time for jamie ortega on this show you'll hear it next on packer and durham Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a beautiful Thursday. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's going to warm up this weekend. Feel like April again. Be nice. You know, we got a busy nine o'clock hour, but we're going to kick it hard here at the end because Jamie Ortega joined us yesterday. Star of Carolina's women's lacrosse team tonight, eight o'clock against Duke here on ACC Network. And we started our visit with the game tonight meaning more than just a win, since it is Duke Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they just upset BC a few days ago, which was really huge, kind of shook a lot of the ACC play. And, you know, it's always been such a big game against us. And at this point, they have nothing to lose. They've been playing great. And, you know, we have a little more to lose, but... Also kind of also to see how good we are and what how we play against great competition and another great team who's going to pull all their stops to, you know, get in the way of us winning. Jimmy, I also sense as great as this program is and the win streaks and, and go through all the numbers, but I don't have to. It would seem to me there would be more pressure on you, but I get a sense that that's exactly how you like it. I mean, I think your team is built where we expect the pressure we embrace it, and now let's go play. Yeah, I mean, when you come here to UNC, you know that what the expectations are of the team, of yourself. You know, you're going to be playing these great teams. You're going to be, you know, in close games where you might have to step up or someone else has to step up. Like, there's going to be, you know, these standards for how you play, you know, how you excel in the field. And but it's exciting. You know, it's fun. That's why you come to Carolina. You want to be the best. And, you know, sometimes you have to protect the Carolina name at all times. You're known as a great scorer. But, you know, is that the most satisfying part of the game for you is scoring? Or is there another piece of the game that you take equal, if not more, satisfaction out of? 
Probably at the end of the game when I'm running to Taylor to celebrate winning. Probably say that's more satisfying. <laughs> I like that answer too. Um, all right, let's get to some of these marks here. You need 17 points to become the ACC's career points leader. Uh, Jen Adams had a marvelous career at Maryland. Everybody remembers that. What is there anything in particular about this that that you pay attention to, or is this just day to day, game to game for you? Yeah, I would say probably more game to game. You know, obviously records are going to be broken in my in this season, but that's also like not my biggest priority or at the top of my head. Every time mm-hmm. I play, I'm more of focused on, you know, us just winning and being a good teammate. But it also is cool. I mean, especially, you know, Judd Adams, such a legend ahead of me. <laughs> being able to say I'm in the same conversation as her is pretty remarkable. Do you remember the wins or the losses more? Mm. Losses. Um, especially because every time I have lost in the past few years, it's been the one that ends my season. So I think that hits a little bit more home. Yeah, it's uh, – well, I'll tell you this. The other thing, too, this league is so good, right? I mean, <laughs> this league is just out of sight when it comes to, you know, talent in this particular sport. Every game is a challenge, and it feels like – and I was telling Sophia this. Dana Boyle was with us a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about Duke potentially making this move, and the move has actually <laughs> happened for Duke. You guys have been that kind of standard. It, that's what makes tomorrow night even more intriguing for me is because of where you guys, your, the story of your seasons kind of colliding here for the top seed in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it'll be a great game. And I think Duke is a team that they play to their opponent's level. And, you know, you saw that in Boston. Boston's a great team. Duke played exactly to their level and even yeah. more. So I think when they play against us, it's also our senior game. It's a night game, last regular season. You know, they don't, you know, there's the Duke-UNC feud between the two teams. So there's so many things adding up into this game that makes it even bigger than just a regular season game. Hmm. Uh, I want to pivot to one thing here. Uh, And I don't mean to say that we have put one over the other, but it has been a conversation of Jamie Ortega and Charlotte North for us a lot this spring. Um, Number one, how well do you all know each other? And number two, Um, are you different players? Are you different players who succeed at doing the same thing? Yeah, I'm actually pretty close with her. I think over the few months we did U.S. together, she super super nice girl you know she's one of those players you hate playing against because she's so good but <laughs> off the field she's just so nice no she's normal you know she's just like every one of us she's just a normal girl who loves the cross and um I think we play very differently I think you know I wouldn't say I'm an outside ripper like her um and I think how we dodge how we play is very different but we also still the end goal of just creating flow for the offense and being that type of leader. And, you know, if goals come out of it, great. If not, that's okay. Um, But kind of just being the leader on the offense, I think I see similarities in both of us. Um, Totally offbeat question. Do you have any superstitions on game day? 
Um, sometimes I'll have to listen to the same music. Um, I, almost in, every time. All right. For instance, give me a, for give me an example. I'll have to listen to like Kanye West. I think I always listen to like Homecoming by him. Dreams and Nightmares. Um, oh wow! Okay. Sometimes I'll do like old Kanye, like strong, like song stronger. Really depends. Um, but I have like a playlist of like the same music I'll always play and listen to. And now I have to wear the same hair tie. Um, if I'm doing well and I have a certain hairstyle in, I'll have to keep doing that. So if you'll see, like a, I'll have like an inverted braid. Um, <laughs> I'm just superstitious at this point, not for style. Very similar to you. I told Ty. Jamie right there. I yeah. just, they cut Very it off. Similar. I said, that's amazing because that's exactly like, what I do, braiding the hair before a show. You have a good one? Hey, we're going a little superstitious. Let it rip. Duke's trying to win their 10th straight. 10th straight. Carolina's won. 8,000 in a row in the regular season. 8,000 in a row. And I'm telling you, it'll be great tonight. Thursday nights, ACC Network. Anytime there's lacrosse, it's a special deal. Mm-hmm. And it's a big-time game tonight. Yeah, Kirsten Prime Kimmel, time. Jenny Levy, great coaches. Excellent. Right? So, looking forward to it tonight. Good television. Good live action productions, as they say. Well, they deliver, man. These teams are so good. Mm-hmm. Explosive. Yeah. Yep. Uh, busy, busy, 9 o'clock hour. And we have uh, you know ESPN executives stopping by the house. Yeah. You know that. <laughs> Great. I gave you a 24-hour warning. Yeah. Just give you a heads up. We got lots of interviews, and executives are going to be here in the uh, basement. We still didn't put on socks. Yeah, no socks. Uh, Gene Deckerhoff, who just recently retired as the legendary voice of the Seminoles. Miss Ann is going to let him talk to us this morning. And he's still younger than Steve Spurrier. That's right. And Gene is uh, going to do Tampa, finish his duties with the Bucks. He'll do the Bucks this fall. But Florida State, uh, Garnet Gold Game was his last show for the Knowles after an incredible run. He'll be missed. That uh, featured, good heavens, 529 football games and nearly 700 basketball games. Awesome. So we'll talk to Gene. Um, actually, I should say six, nearly 700 Bucks games and 1,300 basketball games. Sorry. Just, just like that. Just like that, he Jump the number. So Gene you know, Decker. You know, this joined- is our 612th television show. Yeah. Our 981st show. Do you know that? Oh, we're coming up on a thousand. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Hope I'm available to do that. <laughs> uh, the uh, Tony Elliott live from practice. That's a, a brand new Packer and Durham wrinkle. A coach live from practice. Tony Elliott rolling the dice. And then uh, Sidney Sherrill on game day. It's a busy 9 o'clock hour. Well, Florida State. Yeah. All that and our viewers and listeners are the best. We opened the show today talking about south of the border, and our viewers have responded. It is open for business today on 95. (laughs) We're back after this with the Power Hour and the mighty voice of the Seminoles. Touchdown FSU! Gino joins us next on Packer and Durham. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.